The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Hello, I'm Thomas Doherty. And I'm Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness. This is our podcast. It's a show for people around the globe who are thinking deeply about the personal side of climate change, particularly their emotions, uh, what they're feeling in their body and, you know, their feelings, what they're, how they're describing their emotions. And we go in a lot of directions here. So listeners, welcome. Take a breath. Be with us for a little bit. Uh, Pano and I are really honored to have Jade Sasser uh, with us today. And she can talk about herself during our conversation, but she's coming uh, from California at UC Riverside and does some interesting research and practice on gender and sexuality studies and we're going to see where we go here we had a little pre pre uh talk and we we went in a lot of really fascinating directions so uh let's just keep our breath going and realize we might go into some deep topics today but uh we're also going to be thinking about what it feels like for all of us so Pane, do you want to get us going uh, yes and warmly welcome jade uh, and i'm very very glad that you found the time to join join us and we met earlier this autumn in relation to this lancet planetary health study on children and youth climates emotions and beliefs you generously commented on on that in, in a webinar and that turned into a very interesting dis discussion and i know that you've been working with related issues for several years so so how do how do you feel feel about uh, this at, at the moment what's on the top of your mind well what's on the top of my mind it's really interesting i'm just returning home from a week in louisiana with family uh to celebrate mm. thanksgiving and i have a three-year-old uh cousin who i spent the week with and it was really interesting. I, I started thinking a lot about the interviews that I've done with people who talk about whether they want to have children in the face of climate change, how they feel about the ethics and the morals of that. And I've been steeped in those conversations for so long, but spending the week with this three-year-old child was such a joy. <laughs> mm. And I have to say, I spent the week not thinking about climate change at all, and it was wonderful. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then coming back to this discussion from that, it, it, I think, is complicating my thinking about the possible range of emotions that one can experience while also grappling with the deep challenges of climate change. Thank you for sharing that. That's very interesting and good to hear that you had such good moments with the three-year-old. And I'm personally a father of two sons. They are now six and eight. So I strongly resonate with these, you know, shifts in attention and mode, I, I should say, you know. I, I often work with some quite difficult 
climate emotions during the work day and then I go out to play with the boys and so on and so on. It's an interesting interesting mix and that's something related to the little bit provocative title of our podcast, Climate Change and, and Happiness, the sort of exploration that how would joy be possible uh, amidst the very uh, awful crisis that we are li- living in and and of course different backgrounds and social factors and justice issues uh, have a profound impact on how we experience the crisis and also on the emo- emotions and feelings and I know that this is something that you've been thinking about seriously for a long time. I have and the thing that's been interesting for me is I don't have children and I primarily interview people who don't have children and so For me, the space that I inhabit most of the time when it comes to this set of issues is the space of ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this is not a lived experience where I'm grappling with how I feel about parenting, how I feel about being a parent or becoming a parent myself. Those are not lived experiences for me. Um, I talk to other people for whom those are lived experiences, but there's a little bit of a remove most of the time because for me, again, these are, these are ideas. However, I do want to say I do a lot of interviews and increasingly I'm doing interviews with people who do have children and who are really grappling with the feelings that come up for them around being parents when they're faced with the things that many of us are faced with, heat waves. We had months long heat waves um, here in the United States over the course of the summer and into the fall. Here in Southern California where I live, we deal with wildfire Um, wildfire has always been something that has been common to this region, but the wildfire season is getting longer and longer and longer. And for example, today it's December 1st, uh, our temperature will reach 80 degrees, which is very hot even for Southern California for December. Mm -hmm. Um, I returned from Louisiana to find my house smelling of wildfire smoke because there was a fire that broke out the day that I left and it was put out and then reignited while I was across the country. So I was checking my phone to see what was going to happen with this fire and how it would impact my home. My home was fine, but really it it smelled of smoke um, and it still smells of smoke a little bit. And so these are the kinds of issues that people who I am interviewing are grappling with. And they're saying and really thinking through, how should I feel about having a child knowing um, that climate change was real? I knew that before I had a child. What are the ethical and moral concerns about bringing a kid into a planet that we know um, is going through all of these changes? Should I feel guilty about that? Should I feel responsible um, for doing something that may not be good for the planet? Those kinds of issues and questions come up all the time. Particularly the mothers who I interview feel an added layer of guilt, I think, because just in our society, women's behaviors and and decisions as mothers are just 
extra scrutinized. Um, so motherly guilt is very, very common. Um, less commonly, but still really important, I would have to say, is those parents that I talk to who say that their children make them feel much more motivated to actually do something about climate change, that they feel motivated to um, to be advocates, to help educate other people, to make changes in their own day-to-day -day lives, um, to not, you know, kind of sit back and wait for someone else to solve the problem. For them, their children are a motivator to actually create the world and the future that they would like to live in. And so I hear a really broad range of emotional experiences from the people that I interview from grief, sadness, guilt, to intense motivation and a desire to make a future in which their children won't come home to a house smelling of wildfire smoke. <laughs> yeah, that's really well said, Jade. I mean, I think you, you, you kind of encapsulated a lot of what this podcast is about just now. All the all the all the nuances of feelings. You know, the uh, we talk about feeling different kinds of things. Uh, the, you know, nuanced nuances or what they you know researchers call granularity, like different 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 kinds of feelings and uh, and just um, emotional depth. You know, and Alpanu is big on this idea too of these mixed emotions. You know, where we have you know. Tragic realism, or or tragic hope, uh, or you know, we have this empowerment, or even this um, standing our ground and, and making a statement, even a kind of a, a a resistance. You know, joy is an act of resistance. You know, and so um, I just want to just 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 if for the listeners, just you know, really take this in because you know Jay has really laid out a whole palette of things that many of the listeners are feeling i know i know you are i know you're i know you're feeling it i felt these things and so we have a choice we can build our capacity i guess i would say to feel these different things and then eventually make our decisions and you know and in, in, in therapy we talk about you know under working from our values like understanding our values and then and making actions based on our values and so but i just want to just again Put your hand on your chest and take a breath because there's a lot. There is the smoke. I mean, in the Pacific Northwest, I've felt this. I dealt with the same things of the temperature and the weather changes and the smoke and all this sort of stuff. Um, and so it's all it's all happening. And and the, the the danger is people people get out of their depth emotionally and they get really frantic and really paralyzed. And so we want to keep breathing and keep keep chatting about this some more. Well, if I can say one thing, what I find, and this is my personal experience, but I've also talked this through with others and find that it's a shared experience. When I'm left to my own devices, meaning when I'm left to my own emotional experiences and I don't communicate and share them with others or hear how others are feeling, the things that I tend to fear most are feel most are fear um, and worry and anxiety. And I think that that partly stems from a perception that I'm the only person who feels this way um, or that I can't share this with others because they won't resonate or won't understand or that they'll minimize my concerns. And 
what I find in my own experience and in the experiences of people who I interview is that there's a certain amount of relief that comes with being able to talk about these emotions and to understand that many other people feel them too, that we are not isolated in grappling with a whole range of emotions. For me, the anxiety and fear grow the more that I feel isolated. Mm. But the opposite grows the, the potential for hope, the potential for optimism, definitely the motivation that grows the more I feel connected to other people who I know can understand and resonate with what I'm experiencing too. Thanks for sharing that, Jade. That's very, very profound, profound, I think. And I've been just revising a big academic article on climate emotions and feelings. And I've been searching a word for this feeling of togetherness and belonging and feeling connected to others. And I strongly resonate with what you said, said about that. And we've seen it in, in Finland too, this sort of isolation and loneliness. And sometimes people feel that they are some kind, uh, in, in some way weak or uh, un, unsuccessful if they feel the pressure and then just you know basic validation by peer support can be really em empowering for, for people mm -hmm. i think it's so important in part because i when i talk about my research sometimes particularly with members of older generations uh, i do get the resistance i do hear people saying what there are people who are thinking about not having children because of climate change that sounds ridiculous what they mm -hmm. <laughs> young people will look for any excuse to not want to have children or young people are too emotional anyway mm -hmm. or you know these kinds of i've heard these kinds of responses that that really don't take climate emotions seriously and I find myself having to really push back against that because I think that there is a generational difference in the perception of the immediacy and importance of climate change, as well as the perception of how radically it will alter the earth and you know our future experience on it. And acknowledging resonating with and accepting um, that people's emotional experiences are true and valid, I think is really important. But the thing that does get older people when I put it forward and it, it gets them in a very different way, it got my family this past week, we started having very different conversations after I said this, is the point of, well, there are people um, in older generations who would like to have grandchildren or great-grandchildren and they very well might not because of these climate emotions um, and the decisions that young people are making as a result of them. And if there is no other motivator or driver on a personal emotional uh, level, then please let your desire to have the family that you want that includes grandchildren or beyond, let that help you understand this in a different way, in a different emotional way. 
And as a result of having that conversation, one of my aunts is thinking about getting an electric vehicle and changing how she consumes energy on a day-to-day basis because she doesn't want my nieces to decide that they never want to have children um, because of climate change. And it's a simple thing, but I think that that personal heart-centered experience um, for some can bring the issues home in a way that nothing else can. Yeah, that's really, that's really neat. Um, and, and it's really timely with, you know, the recent Thanksgiving holiday and people seeing their families. Um, yeah, and then universality is one of the terms in, th- in therapy about this idea that I realize I'm not the only person that has these issues. So we, so that in terms of validation, we also, it's universal. There is a sense of universality with this, this, this kind of stuff. And then, Pana, you've talked about communitas, you know, this joint feelings of togetherness and things like that. Um, that when we do open to this stuff. And I think, you know, the, some of the older folks, they also have different values at play. I know some people, well, I mean, we all know that, you know, questions about having children are not new. People have had questions about having children perennially for any number of reasons. People during the Cold War and threat, under threat of nuclear war, there was questions about having children, I'm sure. I mean, it's before my lived experience, but I'm sure during World War II and and during other cataclysms in in the world, people have during the Depression, you know, people have had really valid questions about whether it's a good idea to bring children into the world. So I do think we we forget that this is a human question, and I just wonder about some of these, you know, older generations had other other values at play, um, family continuity, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's very very true, and uh, of course, in many countries, the studies and surveys that have been done show that among the children and youth and young adults, there is more concern and awareness on average than with several mm-hmm. other age groups. That of course, that doesn't mean that they are the only age groups who care care de- deeply. And uh, I know many many people who, when they become uh, grandparents, then then their climate anxiety mm-hmm. go, goes up because because the issues mm-hmm. become so real with the newborn. So it seems that both, uh, you know, families who get get the children if if they do, and then the grand grandparents. So so there are certain of these situations which then really bring the issue close to them, and because children are such a key thing for the human tribe, so to say. Uh, it's it evokes so much much emotion and so many hopes and and fears uh, involved in relation to to children. So on one hand, it's sort of logical how difficult it is for many people to think seriously about such a situation, where so large a number of young people very seriously consider not having children because the crisis is so high. That just seems to be too much. For, for, many, for many people. Yes. Um, I would also say that children symbolize a, a range of different things. So they symbolize the future. Um, in many instances, they symbolize hopes and possibilities for what kinds of futures we would like to have. They symbolize leaving a legacy, some part of yourself in a future that will survive after you are no longer here. They also represent, in many ways, our values, what we find really important and what we're willing to take action 
on. So for some of those who I have spoken to and interviewed, having children, again, it, it really changed their motivation around taking specific actions, whether it's to consume resources differently, to vote differently, to consider you know, political candidates, climate positions um, in how they vote. It, it, for some, changes the conversations that they have with other parents, and they talk about environmental issues and climate issues in ways that they would not otherwise. For some, it's the opposite. They really sort of pull in uh, and kind of gather their emotional energy and and really kind of huddle together with family and engage less with these bigger broader issues out in the world to the point earlier that thomas made about how people have grappled with these questions around whether when why how to have children that is a long-standing set of concerns it has affected uh different generations throughout history in different places for different reasons. So climate change is a threat to basic existence. It's an existential threat. It's not the first or only existential threat. Wars, world wars are certainly existential threats as well. Uh, A global pandemic is an existential threat, as we know. And then experiences that we've had here in the United States, racism, racial violence, these kinds of things are also existential threats for particular groups. So groups have grappled differently in different ways across time with this set of questions. Um, I do know that for communities of color in the U.S., particularly for African-American communities, it has become much more important to have children and to have families and to leave a legacy Um, because family and children represent the stability of a safe community that will protect you emotionally and socially from the harms that would come from outside of that community. So having children becomes more important in the face of existential threat and being able to leave a positive legacy that will survive beyond you. Um, And in part that's shaped by a a religiously impacted set of values among African-Americans, which say that we have to make sure that the world is better in the future for our children and grandchildren than what it was for us. So um, having children, wanting children becomes a motivation to work toward creating that better world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that also is shaped inside of these broader concerns. My parents were worried about nuclear war when they were considering having me and my sister. They're children of the 50s. They grew up doing bomb drills in school. Um, when they were in their teens, they were involved in protests, you know, against the war in Vietnam. My father's older brother and my mother's younger brother were both drafted and they both fought in Vietnam and their families were concerned about whether they would come back alive or not. Um, And then, of course, you know, heading into the 70s when I was born, this was a period of Cold War anxieties. 
My mother tells stories of watching the news at different times, wondering if there would be a nuclear bomb dropped and thinking, should I have a baby at a time like this? <laughs> and those are very human concerns. Of course she was concerned. I would be worried if she wasn't concerned um, yeah. about something like that. So children really do symbolize and represent so many hopes, dreams, fears, anxieties, desires to make the world better, and then also real concerns about um, what kind of responsibility one should take toward an innocent person who didn't choose to be here. You're choosing for them to come here, knowing what you know about conditions that are in the world right now. So it's very complicated, very, very complicated. And the people who I speak to in interviews are grappling with all of these very complicated emotions. For many of them, underneath it all, there is a desire to have children, but there are really strong questions about whether that's possible from a moral, ethical, environmental, emotional and financial position mm. yeah I, i love the way that you complicate these issues i think it's absolutely crucial and reminds me of also matthew snyder meyerson's work who i who i guess guess you guess you know and the very many different dynamics that people have in relation to these climate crisis and re reproduction issues and also th thanks for sharing insights related to people of color and this and the situ situation i've been struck by many of the studies related to climate emotions in people of color communities in the US for example and that links to my my work I've been trying to emphasize that we shouldn't do binary uh, you know classifications between positive and negative as regards emotions because for example moral outrage is a very important and an understandable climate mm -hmm. emotions also so we need them different perspectives and thanks for broadening yeah. that yeah Yeah, we have a few more minutes. This has really, really been right on on point, I think, for our podcast. And I think listeners have been really, I think certain people are really, hope, hopefully you're, you're feeling spoken to and recognized out there. I mean, uh, one of our notes for our show is, you know, child, having a child is one of the most intimate and consequential decisions an adult makes in their life course, right? So it is, we are talking about one of some of the biggest decisions that people will make in their lives. And this is all personal. It's personal to me, it's personal to Pano, it's personal to Jade and to, and to everyone out there. Um, you know, um, personally, I, I remember a time when I didn't want to have children. I have one daughter age 14 and I remember I didn't want to have children in my twenties. And I remember talking to one of my mentors about, about this when I was in my twenties and him, him encouraging me to think more about it, uh, at the time. And I remember getting married and you know, deciding to have a child with my wife. My wife ended up dying of breast cancer about four years ago, um, Chelsea. And we were, she had wanted to have a second child and I didn't want to have a second child for a number of reasons. And, uh, you know, she ended up, the cancer made the decision for us, unfortunately. So that's like, that's an open, you know, that's a wound that I have in my life about what would have happened, you know, what would have happened otherwise. But, and I only share that, not, not to talk about myself, but just to say, this is real stuff for people. You know, um, it's real stuff for the listeners, and and so 
there are, you know, expression and uh, validation is the first step. Expressing the feelings and just having them be heard and validated. Your decisions are going to go in any number of directions, as we've talked about. And, you know, one title for this might be children and a better world, you know, and like, what does a better world mean? And that different for different people and children's the role of children in a better world means different things to the listeners. But uh, yeah, so it's a real thing. Yeah, we've got a couple of minutes. Um, Han, are you sitting on any ideas, Jade? Yeah, this is such a rich, rich topic that there's so many possi- possibilities. Mm. Thanks, Thomas, for sharing sharing that. We've, of course, spoken about that, but I think it's very, very important for the listeners also to, to hear hear that. And mm-hmm. uh, regarding the personal side, um, uh, we'll, we'll put a link to the podcast website of a uh, video conversation between you, Jade, and Britt Ray, a climate emotion researcher about these, these perspectives. And there's luckily now good material emerging. There's your, your studies and Matthew Schneider-Meyerson's stuff and so on. So the situation is very different than it was only five years ago. So, so that's one sort of sign, sign, sign of hope in this, that we are getting more, more material and that hopefully avoids people from making overly binary interpretations of the situation. Mm. Absolutely. I, I think that's really important. Binary kinds of ideas or... Um, perspectives just don't capture the complexity and nuance of real life. And I am finding it is very possible to feel simultaneously motivated, hopeful, anxious, worried, confused, and many other emotions as well. And with the issue of parenting, there is no way to know ahead of time whether you are making the right decision or not but there is no right or wrong decision universally um those decisions as you said thomas they are very personal they are lived in the context of your own life your own family your own community what is right for one person may not be right for another person but i do want to leave with this point um there are some people in the environmental and climate community who want to harness the discussion of children through the lens of population um, and who want to say, well, none of us should have children because the earth is overpopulated and you know, population growth is a driver of climate change. And when we actually get into the nuances of that, um, the number of people on the planet is not a driver of climate change. The drivers of climate change, as we know, are about the extraction and consumption of particular kinds of resources. And people consume those resources very differently depending on who they are, where they are in the world, how many resources they have, etc. So simply saying no one should have children for environmental reasons is it's not it's it's a false solution that some like to put forward and it just doesn't map on to what's actually happening in the world. Just as one example, the fertility rate in the United States has been going down for 80 years at the exact same time that our greenhouse gas emissions have been skyrocketing. So my hope is that people can sort of steer away from that kind of uh, simplistic 
conversation around population and really focus on the complexity and nuance. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And there's such a rich material here that we would need a sequel, sequel for the conversation session all, yeah. also in this. Yeah, we'll put um, in our show notes, we have a nice link to an article by environmental journalist David Roberts about, you know, why, how he thinks about um, as a journalist, he, he does not talk about, write about overpopulation for some of the more, you know, complex reasons Jade was talking about. So that is a topic we can follow up on. This has been a really uh, beautiful conversation and I really appreciate Jade, your time today. And we're going to wrap it up and get into our, into our days. Um, you know, we're humans and we have our lives and Panu, what are you up to after our, our talk? Well, yeah, my six-year-old is playing with his friends, so they are gonna gonna come in something like ten ten minutes, and this links with something that Jade was talking about. So, regardless of what one's own position is, at least we have the possibility to rejoice of, of the children that are in the in the world. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a strong source of positivity for me, at least. But th- thank you very much, Jade. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it too. And after this, I I'm a college professor, so I'll be spending my day reading articles, lesson planning, and getting ready for tomorrow's online classes. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. And online classes is a whole nother episode. And uh, yeah, and I'm gonna meet. I'm gonna do my clinical work, and I'm actually doing some walking walking sessions outdoors today uh, with some clients in a park and. And I see some blue sky out there, and we're lucky that I, I tend to I get lucky on some of the the one day of the week that there's some there's some clear skies. This is my walking therapy day, so I'm really happy about that. Well, listen, both of you take care of yourselves. I look forward to maybe some more conversations in the future. And uh, listeners out there, please uh, keep in touch with us. ClimateChangeAndHappiness.com. We'll be having more of these conversations, and I hope you can join us. Take care, everyone. Take care.